Welcome to 30 Minutes to Wealth, the show that teaches you how to build wealth through real estate. Our company, ProFunds Mortgages, has assisted real estate investors in achieving wealth for over two decades. Over the next 30 minutes, we're going to share some of our key strategies in real estate with you, right here on 30 Minutes to Wealth. Hi, I'm Carmen and this is Jordan. Welcome to 30 Minutes to Wealth. The show that teaches you how to build wealth through real estate. Today on the show, we are very excited to have an economist who is going to talk to us about the future of the Canadian real estate market. Carl, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's, it's, been, a, it's great. It's an honor to have you here because this is such an important topic for us to share with our viewers and real estate investors. So we're so thrilled. Absolutely. Yeah, Carl, you have a pretty impressive background. You've worked in research, analytics, and macroeconomics for many different banks and institutions over the years. And we're so excited for you to share your knowledge with us today mm -hmm. on the Canadian market and you know what, what we're seeing now and what's projected for the future. So to start off, talk to us. How did mm -hmm. you get started in this industry? Yeah, it's a, it's a little strange to be an economist who's into real estate. But when you yeah. think about it, it's not oh. really. No, Because it's real Perfect. estate is all about yeah. Supply and demand at the end of the day. And, you know, it started at a very early age for me. I was, you know, in my 20s and had friends who were realtors and we'd talk about the market. And around that mm -hmm. time period, you know, Toronto was going through a housing bubble. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we'd always talk about these sort of things. And that developed a passion and an interest for real estate. So after I finished grad school and, you know, studied economics, I ended up working for CMHC. And learned a lot about the housing market through that group. I can oh, imagine. That would be yeah. Huge. yeah, I mean, it, 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 and also across the country too, because I was actually out in British Columbia for a period of time out there. Yeah. And then uh, I got a call to work at uh, RBC yeah. and worked on a piece called the RBC Af Housing Affordability Index, mm. which really brought me very close to housing mm -hmm. and housing markets. Yeah. And worked with the mortgage network groups there. And then right after that, worked for TD Bank. And so spent a lot of time in the residential housing yeah. market. But my career kind of transitioned a little bit into the commercial real estate investment market. Mm -hmm. And I worked for some private investors to, you know, talk about real estate investment strategy with commercial income producing properties. And wow, uh, cool. yeah, it was a fascinating time period because there was a lot of growth in terms of investing in that kind of real estate at that time period. Oh my gosh, I could just yeah. sit here for hours and with talk you. Talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> just ask you one million questions. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So to start, I mean, there's been so much change happening in the Canadian real estate market mm -hmm. in the last few years. Yeah. We're seeing construction costs um, increasing. We're seeing housing prices, which are just increasing at such a crazy rate that it's yeah. almost not even keeping up with the average income that a yeah. Canadian earns. So what are your thoughts on everything that's happening? in the Canadian real estate market right now? Well, I think, you know, to your point exactly, there's supply and demand factors that are really driving the housing market right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. First and foremost, we have to remember Canada is one of those countries that lots of people around the world look to as a place to, you know, for opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so Canada's really benefited from very strong population growth from immigration, uh, from other countries. And all those people coming to Canada really want that Canadian dream of home ownership. So all that demand is really, you know, you know, flooding into the uh, real estate markets, particularly in the big cities of Toronto and Vancouver. I know, they're not going to Saskatoon, are they? No, no I mean, <laughs> it, it, we can talk about this a little bit later, yeah. but, but when you first come to Canada, there are really only three places you go to, and that's Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, and maybe to a lesser extent, Calgary. Mm -hmm. um, the other factor, and it's a worldwide factor, one of the things that we've seen, you know, whether you're in London or whether you're in New York, is that interest rates have really come down over the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. And as 
as interest rates go down, the cost of borrowing and the cost of financing real estate and also the leverage that you can use from an investment standpoint uh, improves the the, the investment and the demand for real estate. Well, it's amazing that the interest rates are so low. Yeah, Yeah. what are your thoughts on why they are so low? Well, you know, this is an interesting question and a lot of people have a lot of different answers that can be Mm -hmm. very complex. But I think the most simplest answer is that we're in an aging society. You know, when you think about when you're young, you know, you tend to spend all your money and you tend to uh, tend to save it. What's happening today is people get older is is they're not spending it as much. They they want to hoard that money, and so the cost of borrowing or the amount of funds that are out there is starting to come down. The relative mm-hmm. cost of capital, and that long term trend is one reason why we're seeing interest rates come down as much as we have. To get a little bit more technical, the other reason is that growth is just slowing down in many advanced countries. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We're getting older. The the ability to grow from you know as economists say four or five percent a year now down to two percent. That, that slower growth is necessitating a lower level of interest rates. So a lot of central banks are now ratcheting their expectations down in terms mm-hmm. of where interest rates are. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, simply because there's less inflation and things like that. So right. not to get too technical, but it really is a function of all these bigger global factors. And Canada is very much a part of all of that in the, the same token. So that's why I say with this real estate boom, that we're seeing in Canada, yeah. it really is a global function as well. I mean, we have seen in some of the major cities in the world, whether it's London or New York or San Francisco, um, yeah, Australia, it, it is the same it's story the same that's happening. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. I I really haven't seen anything like it since I've been in the business for over 25 years. Yeah, mm-hmm. I started when I was 18, but this is incredible what I'm seeing right now. And there was that little glitch in 2017, and yeah. where everything and like the financial crisis back yeah. in 2008, 2009. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we saw a couple of things, but now, oh my gosh, I, I see bidding wars happening. Like we, I mean, obviously the business, we do financing, we do commercial, sure. we do residential, yeah. we invest ourselves and it is so tough to yeah. find income property today. Yeah, it is. And you know, that, that story mm-hmm. of finding an income property is tied to this interest rate story Yeah, because as the, as the, you know, interest rates go down, the effective yield on your property versus the income producing part gets mm-hmm. driven down with it mm-hmm. as more capital goes in there. So not to get too technical. Prices go up again. But prices are going up. So yeah. that's, you know, compresses the yield. And so to your point, it's getting very difficult, especially as this economic cycle gets longer and longer. We're in one of the longest economic cycles that there ever has been. Right. Uninterrupted growth, interest mm-hmm. rates are down. That capital keeps flowing and that keeps pushing asset prices like real estate up. Crystal ball. Yeah. How long is it going to be like this? <laughs> Tell me. Well, the reality is if, if I knew exactly, I, I probably know. wouldn't be working right now. I know. I was going to say. But uh, I, I think the thing is we're in a lower for longer interest rate environment than we ever have been. There mm-hmm. are many different secular forces, whether it's technology or demographics, that are going to keep interest rates low. And in fact, you know, there are a lot of externalities like, you know, diseases and, and supply chain shocks out of China. And all of these factors are also serving to keep interest rates lower. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the reality is we're going to continue to see these rates very low for a long period of time. You know, some people of a certain vintage, you know, they think back to the 80s and 90s and their mortgage rates were in the double <gasps> digits. I know. That's I not going to come back. Imagine that. Exactly. And, and, and that's mm-hmm. probably not going to come back. But the, the, that's a good thing to know. That's a, that's a great thing to know. But the problem is, is that everybody's expectations have been ratcheted down lower. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes. spoiled, you're, you're spoiled. So when you think about it for, for some people, if they think about a 4% interest rate or a 5% interest rate, that's high. So it's all relative, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that's the, the issue. You know, it, 
lower interest rates have made things much more affordable, but that trade-off with pushing house prices higher, at the same time where Canadian income levels haven't really grown a heck of a yes. lot, have deteriorated affordability. So that savings from the lower interest rates is not necessarily translated into better affordability. It's just pushed the buck a little bit further in terms of people needing those lower interest rates just to own property. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. And, you know, the rental market yeah. is another whole thing that... Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've got rental properties. The vacancy rates are almost zero everywhere. Well, I, I, you yeah. know, and that's that's a good point because mm-hmm. I think what that is is a, it is the flip side of this deteriorating affordability story. As people look at the housing market and yeah. they're priced out of the market, it pushes them into the rental market. Yes, and so exactly. you know, you go to the rental market, and we have in Ontario, but also in British Columbia and a few other places, rent control, so that landlords, even though the market is pushing rents up, they're they're confined by a certain rate. Increase of I have a whole 2%. comment on that because I'm a yeah. multi-residential property owner, Correct. and it's so frustrating the Landlord and Tenant Act in Ontario specifically. Exactly. But yeah, but I, I think it, it does um, present a unique opportunity for investors looking looking mm. forward. You know, if if you want to get into this ownership of multi-unit residential buildings, because it looks like this demand for people needing to rent is only going to increase if this affordability continues to get more challenging. And I think you see a lot of millennials a lot of people in their 20s and 30s now that are just opting to rent because they just can't get into the housing market. I I think you're absolutely right. And I think there is a secular change in the way people are viewing renting. Renting used to be a dirty word for many generations. I think if you talk to millennials and a lot more younger people these days, but even, you know, older baby boomers who have amassed a lot of wealth through real estate, you know, they're content to cash that wealth out and rent. Uh, you know, some some will actually be doing it. So I think there is a view that, you know, from a secular standpoint, there's going to be a little bit more push to rent. That being said, there is an imbalance or maybe a disconnect between what people can rent and what people need. And so when you think about the rental supply that's out there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of older rental buildings that are not functional for a lot of people. Agreed. You know, there's, yeah. there's you know, in no in-suite laundry. Or, you know, there, there isn't a dishwasher. And so a lot of these amenities in some of the older rental buildings don't uh, line up well with people's demands and preferences. So the real need is to start developing new rental product. Mm-hmm. But the problem there is that when you develop, so from, it becomes expensive. <laughs> yeah. So there's that affordability yeah. well, conundrum. You know, we're, we're in construction and development and we are really building for rental and it's so hard to keep the cost down to make it even feasible for people to live in but the demand is there the demand is there and and i think the real the real trick with it is to build the right product for the right people now one of the things that we're seeing and this is not in just the gta but also in bc is there you know the rental supply that's being built right now it might be smaller suites yes and that's great for singles people who are working downtown mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know people who are, you know just use it as a crash pad maybe they you know they have a dog but as soon as you start building you know building in a family you have a kid um, you need a separate office it's very difficult to build something that's a little bit bigger. And that's that missing middle in the rental market that really needs a lot of support where there's a lot of demographic demand for that product. But on the supply side, mm-hmm. it's hard to build that. Well, so, hold that thought. Sure. We have to go to break. Um, this is so exciting to hear this. I, I'm thrilled to hear this, right? So sure. we've got a lot more coming your way. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm 
Jordan. This is Carmen. Welcome back to 30 Minutes to Wealth. We're here with our guest, Carl Gomez, and we're just talking about um, the Canadian real estate market, the economy, and we've got so much more um, amazing topics that we want to cover the rest of the episode, Carl. Yeah. So thank you again so much for being here. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. Lots of fun. information. Yes. Yeah. So, but to loop back in, um, we really do want to talk about the housing affordability because yeah. we are seeing the challenges um, in Canada, and we just want to know, like, how do Canadian cities compare from an affordability standpoint to other major global cities? Sure, yeah, no, it's a fair question. One of the one of the younger guys in our office, he he mentioned, you know, kind of Toronto is very much like New York. It's so unaffordable these days. Mm-hmm. And his analogy or anecdote is absolutely correct. If you look at international comparisons comparisons of affordability, you know, the, your your house price versus income, Toronto is right up there with some of the most unaffordable cities in the world. Probably around four or five, number four or five wow. in the world globally. Uh, as, as a relative benchmark, Hong Kong is one of the most unaffordable places in the world. But you think mm-hmm. about that, that's just a little island, right? I mean, right. it's a small place. Yeah. The next least affordable city in the world is London? actually Vancouver. Oh, okay. No. I was going to say London, England would yeah. be... So, okay, wow. And But, you know, the thing is affordability, there are two different drivers on that. One mm-hmm. is the absolute house prices. And yes, they are very high. But the other factor is incomes. And local incomes in places like Vancouver actually tend to be a little lot lower than places like London or New York. Mm-hmm. And so that affordability becomes the issue there where the incomes are actually a little bit lower. Um, the other factor w- when you think about affordability is do you have active governments that are constraining the land supply, making things yes. difficult to build supply? You know, basically sort of these policies that restrict the amount of what you can build. Because if you think about cities that are very affordable. You go across the United States, like Austin and places mm-hmm. in Texas, these places are very affordable. Not only can you have a decent income, but because you know there's no restrictions on how you build in terms of supply, mm-hmm. you know, house prices are pretty cheap. Uh, wow. You know, you can you can walk in and get a you know a, a beautiful rancher that's about three thousand square feet for three hundred thousand dollars. Wow! And if incomes, only. if only, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so there's the big differences. Whereas in in Toronto, it's very difficult, obviously, to build you know, these homes. Yeah. Anybody who does have that kind of acreage or, or stuff, I mean, the home prices are now exorbitant. Where you're in the in the multi millions. Yeah, and the so, worst part is the, the the fees, the development charges that the government charges, yeah. all these extra fees. So when you have a project. And it, we're in the business, we're building, and 25% of our profit goes to yeah. the government. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, that, that's the other side of it, too, is that you know when, when you're trying to build and you're performing an, uh, a development. It's tough. You, it, not only is it the costliness, but it's the timeliness. You yes. know, sometimes just to get something built or entitled, yeah. when you have to jump through the municipal hoops to get the the permits and things like that, it can go from four months all the way out to you know a mm-hmm. year to two years. Well, I've noticed in the last uh, two years, yeah. and last year was even worse. It's taking something that would take four months is taking twelve. Correct. Twelve yeah. months, eighteen months. Yeah. Like it's it's insane the amount of time it takes, and that's cost. Like that time is well, cost. And, and your costs change too. So unless you're lucky enough to get a fixed price contract on some sort of development, mm-hmm. one year yeah. out, your costs can be that much higher. And so it's not surprising if you look at some of the bigger developments that mm-hmm. we're seeing in Toronto, where even larger developers are actually having to 
walk away from their developments because their costs have escaped them. And a lot of that has so to do crazy. with the problem of just getting, you know, your, your permits and entitling done within a proper it. time frame. That's, mm-hmm. It's such yeah. a sad story because we could do so much more. Yeah. And even for affordable housing and things like that, but the timing Absolutely. and the cost to do this, yeah. they're not allowing for us to do it. And, and I think that's the, the disservice that we're doing <clears throat> in terms of being able to stem the affordability problem. Because yeah. quite frankly, you know, you can go out and you can try and stimulate on the demand side. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can borrow from your RSP or borrow from your future wealth to come in. But you know, the caps there are like five hundred thousand for a home. What home know. in the GTA is five hundred thousand? Right? Like almost doesn't exist. Nothing. Almost doesn't exist. A million. So, yeah. Yeah. Now you're looking at a million. Yeah. Okay, eight hundred yeah. probably to a million. So Carl, do you think housing prices in Canadian cities like Toronto and Vancouver are only going to increase from here? Yeah, I mean, it, it, just based on my my fuzzy crystal ball. Yeah, I like yeah. It. Uh, <laughs> you know, the thing is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we're seeing so many people move to yeah. this country. Mm-hmm. The immigration is very strong. Over 100,000 people a year come to Toronto. Mm -hmm. And those people come into the city. And it's not just into the city. It's also in the suburban areas and everywhere else as well. And that demand, given constrained supply, is only Mm going to push pricing up. And you know, the, the other interesting thing right now that I'm seeing or one of the trends that we're seeing is because pricing is so high, the listings, the new listings to kind of sell your home, mm-hmm. people are pulling back on doing that. And the number one reason why is because they're fearful that if I sell my home today because there's such demand out there, what am I going to buy after? That's the thing, right? Yeah. You can't get back into the can't market. Get back into the market if you sell. One of the other trends we're seeing, you know, as as much as people are coming into our big cities and coming from other countries here to Toronto and Vancouver, one of the other interesting trends is people who have lived here in this in, in our cities are leaving pretty quickly to smaller satellite cities outside yes. of our. our mm-hmm. So you go to Collingwood. Yes. Um, you go outside of the GTA. You know, down into Goderich and areas down yes. there where the housing is still affordable because of the ability to be able to work from home, you know, technology, hey, why don't I just move out to these places? And and I'm not just talking downsizers and retirees. There are younger families that are increasingly looking at these places because of the technology. It seems like almost out of necessity, necessity. we've got to be expanding outwards yeah. where we can get in a little bit more yeah. affordable prices. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about the rest of Canada? Mm-hmm. How, like, I know we have some projects or properties yeah. in the eastern provinces, yeah. and I've seen a real hike in the demand there for, first of all, rentals sure. and then also investors coming in and purchasing. Yeah. How, why is that being triggered? What's happening there? Well, I think this is the story of everywhere else is not affordable. When you come to Toronto, Vancouver, uh, you go to the rest of the country, quite frankly, it's very affordable. Uh, housing prices mm-hmm. have not seen the same trajectory, you no. know, the hockey mm-hmm. stick sort of growth that you've seen in Toronto and Vancouver. So things are much more affordable from a pricing standpoint. From an investment standpoint, the yields that you can get from yes. these properties are much better. Yeah. Um, the only thing that the caveat that I would always say is that these markets have seen price increases for a reason. And one of the reasons why is their economies haven't been booming nearly as much as the economies of Vancouver and Toronto. The job growth hasn't been as strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, Industries have kind of hollowed out to some extent in some of these markets. So those prices are a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. So you're, you know, if you're an investor and you're looking to rent some of these properties, as long as you've got security of your tenant there, Mm -hmm. then you're going to get that cash flow. But there's Mm -hmm. always that Mm -hmm. risk that because they lose their job out there because unemployment rates are much higher. Right that you might see a little bit more vacancy. So quickly, we don't have a lot of time, unfortunately. Sure. What's in your crystal ball? Five, 10, 20 years. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the crystal ball obviously gets a lot more cloudy as you go. I on. know, I know. Just, 
generally. But 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 I think you know for Canada, I still continue to believe Canada is going to continue to see strong pricing growth in in housing markets, particularly in Toronto and Vancouver. To me, Toronto is a world class city now. It may not have been before, you mm-hmm. know, the last ten years. But the job growth that we're seeing, um, the industry that's developing, uh, a, a lot of the brand names that uh, big companies mm-hmm. that, that are down, and of course the banks, which are dominant in Toronto, yeah. all those reasons continue to put it as a, on a world class stage. And if you look at a skyline of Toronto from maybe you know fifteen years ago compared to where we are today, it's a very big difference. I mean, mm-hmm, it's really developed. Sure. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I see that as very much a trend for, for these Canadian cities. Longer out, though, one of the risks that, you know, and I wouldn't be an economist if I didn't talk about risk. Absolutely. One of the things that I am concerned about is growing imbalances or bubbles. And and one of the imbalances is exactly that affordability. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other imbalance is what happens when you keep driving interest rates lower and lower and lower and lower. If, if we look to history and we look to other countries, Japan has gone through a very big bubble and they've never been able to get out of it after. Um, their house prices have stagnated. Their economy has been slow. The government's had to bail things out. And that may be a little bit of a blueprint for what could happen if we don't take the right policy decisions. Uh, the one difference, of course, that of Japan versus Canada is that Japan blocks immigration. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they don't, they mm-hmm. don't have people coming in. So their population has really slowed down and gotten older. There are more mm-hmm. old people in Japan than they are young people. Wow. Um, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. If you read the tea leaves in Canada, um, we're aging very quickly as well. There will be more people above the age of 65 than there will be under the age of five mm-hmm. uh, yeah. coming up soon. Yeah. So we're, we're aging rapidly. And, and I guess, you know, the, the balancing here for Canada is to continue to bring young people into this country to keep our demographics afloat. Because if that doesn't happen, then, then you do see a turnaround in terms of, mm-hmm. of growth and everything else. Now I'm going to go back to this, the percentage of, of when, when people immigrate to Canada in Ontario specifically, what's the percentage of people that actually come to Ontario versus any other province? Well, Ontario is the the, the main driver of growth uh, for immigration. I think it dominates in terms of population. It's it's forty percent of the overall Canadian population, but it packs above its weight in terms of its share in terms of immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why is Toronto. Uh, Toronto is a yes. huge mecca for for immigration. So although people will come to Ontario, it's really Toronto to a lesser extent mm-hmm. Ottawa that yeah. that people are coming to. Um, and, and that's a big part of the growth. The same, th- the same story is from Vancouver. If, if you kind of look at it, it's exactly the same sort of driver as well. But interestingly, I, you know, I was looking at some stats in Calgary, uh, you know, and out in Alberta back in the days when the oil uh, market was booming, they would attract a lot of people out from Toronto, out yeah. from Vancouver oh, yeah. to move well, to Calgary. Yeah. I mean, I know so many friends and, and just acquaintances from, you know, university that they yeah. all moved out there and now they're all actually moving back, back, which and, is really interesting. And that's the risk for Calgary because if mm-hmm. we talk about house prices in Alberta, they've been soft for the last yes. three, four or five years since yeah. the oil market has yeah. gone down. And that's a function of people leaving that province and coming back. Now, it's unfortunate because if you go to Alberta and Calgary, it's a great quality of life. It's very mm-hmm. affordable. Yeah. They're less restrictive in terms of land use and things like that. So ownership rates are actually quite high. But if you don't have a job, well, yeah. what, good is you that? Know, what good is that? But interestingly, Calgary is starting to see a lot more international immigration as well. Uh, people coming there attracted to that quality of life. Mm-hmm. And so that's a little bit of what's driving the Calgary economy. But Again, you know, not to not to go on a, a off on a tangent, but they need something more than oil and gas to drive that economy because you know exactly yeah, yeah. exactly. 
maybe agriculture or something like that will come back. And, or, or technology, yeah. very, very great institutions and universities out of Alberta that can you know, generate yeah. smart people, right? So, so much land here. Yeah. Beautiful mm-hmm. country. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So closing statement here, um, or it shouldn't be a statement, but would you buy real estate today in Ontario? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think Ontario's got long-term drivers. The, the question that I think is is on everyone's mind, whether you're you're a purchaser for your own use or as an investor, is at what price point can it make, make it work? Right. And and that becomes a question of what how much money and capital you have, yes. what kind of leverage you're going to take. But it's a good investment. But it's a great investment over the long term. It's mm-hmm. much more stable than you know a lot of other other investments. Uh, you know, you think about putting your money into the stock market, it's going to go up and down and all over the place. Okay, yeah, that's uh, yes. another whole topic right there. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole topic yes, right there. I, Don't get her started on no, the stock market. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it just, yeah, uh, yeah that's, yeah. It's, it's an easy way to invest, but, you know, you could lose your money in, and yeah. that's where real estate, you have the security of yeah. bricks and mortar. So I think our time is up, Carl. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your wisdom with us. Absolutely. Amazing. Thanks very much. It was great to be here. It was great. If you're interested in learning more, you can go to 30minutestowealth.com for the rest of our episodes. Go create wealth.